Hi, welcome to this Property Live podcast. I'm your host, Mark Winship. I'm a professional property investor, serviced accommodation expert, and property coach. This week, I have the great pleasure of introducing Gemma Russell to the podcast. Gemma has not been in the property game for all that long in the grand scheme of things, but she is scaling at speed with buy-to-let, serviced accommodation, and flip deals already under her belt and generating life-changing sums of money. In this episode, we talk a lot about confidence and the power of talking to people and the importance of education and working with a mentor if you truly want to fast track your property goals. You're in for a treat in this episode, guys. So without further ado, let's hear now from Gemma Russell. Morning, Gemma. Great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing? really good thank you how are you good I'm really good thanks it's been absolutely ages since we've uh, caught up properly and I know you've um you've really kicked into gear since then haven't you with your property journey so I've been dying to uh, to get you on the podcast to find out more about what you've been up to so um it's been a busy a busy few months hasn't it for you I think yeah it's been a, yeah it's been a little bit crazy I remember thinking before that I was busy and then when I've experienced all of this, I realised, oh, no, this is really busy. Yeah. <laughs> such yeah. a difference. <laughs> so what, what you're saying is you've not quite um, discovered this kind of passive income concept yet. So, yeah, I, it's, I, you know, before you have kids and before you have kids, you're, you say to everybody, I'm so tired. I've worked a couple of shifts and I'm so tired. And those with kids are like, you have no idea. Yeah. Wait till you have kids. And then when you have kids, you're like, wow, this is a whole new level of tired. I didn't understand. I feel like that's what it's like with property because I actually ran um, a network marketing business before and, you know, had to work a lot constantly around the clock and felt like that was busy. But no, this this is busy. (laughs) A good analogy. Yeah, absolutely. So just um, just for the benefit of the listeners, then just just let's rewind. Okay, so you've not actually been doing this for. A massive amount of time have you but you've achieved a huge amount within that time so take us back to the beginning so what was it when did you get started in property and what was it that that made you decide to start out in property okay so as i mentioned i used to run a business in network marketing um i was part of a company called forever living products which is aloe based products so health and wellness i did that for since 2014 uh, my daughter came along i didn't want to work anymore um Again, before I had a child, I thought, oh, when I have this kid, I'm going to go back to work full time. I'm just, you know, I'm going to be this amazing, like, powerhouse. That didn't happen. (laughs) And I realized that it was a lot harder than what I thought. And I actually really liked this kid and wanted to spend time with her. So I thought to myself, like, I had to do something. So I discovered network marketing and realized that it was a way for me to earn good money if I worked hard, but stay at home. So, and I did that, you know, I did earn a lot of money with it. Um, it allowed me to stay at home and you know be the stay-at-home mum and stuff and I became a single parent when she was like one so that having the, the, the money and the ability to still be that parent even though I was a single parent was really really valuable um, so I did that for a few years and that took me up until I think as we went into lockdown uh, so in 2020 I um, apps like just had the most amazing year within that business and I hit number one in Scotland, like we get ranked and stuff like that. Uh, number one business owner in Scotland, and that felt incredible. And then after that, I just thought, oh, I just feel like I've achieved something now and I don't really know where else to go with it. Uh, I still love the products and stuff. I just felt like 
there was more. Then I had seen, uh, um, sorry, in between that, I also became a, a hypnotherapist. So I'm now a clinical hypnotherapist and I help people with anxiety and depression and stuff. Um, something I'm very, very passionate about, but it's not passive. You obviously have to work for your, you know, you, you work to earn your money. Um, and I have to do clients in order to keep that income going. I love it, but it's very much a passion. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I could make a lot of money with it as well, uh, which I have done, but in the same breath, it's something that I would have to continue to do. So no matter what's going on in my life, I would still have to work. And that's not what I want to achieve for my life. So um, I, as I said, 2020 hit all these things and it was really exciting and I absolutely loved it. And then I just sort of hit a bit of a lull where I thought, oh, what, what, what now? So I came across an advert um, with PWS and, um, you know, they were talking about property and stuff. I'm going to be completely honest. I have listened to this podcast and a lot of people will say things like, I loved Homes Under the Hammer. <laughs> you know, I've watched it endlessly. It's always something I've wanted to get into. I've not. Property yeah. has not been something, apart from service accommodation, um, property has not been something that I have thought to myself, wow, like this is, this is, this is the goal. This yeah. is the actual money is what I'm all about yeah and because I fully understand the concept of passive income and that money is what buys you time and freedom yeah and I always wanted to be the mum at the school gates I always wanted to be available for nativity plays and things like that and I also always also always wanted to be really successful so I felt that being able to be a hypnotherapist and help people with you know anxiety and depression and things that I'm really passionate about was one side of the coin but the other was I wanted to always have lots of money I always wanted to have that money so that I could go and do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted and live the life um on my own terms so that is when I saw the advert for PWS and and, and you know learning about or getting an education in property I was like oh, this is this is what I'm going to do so um I invested in that and it was worth every single penny I got one-to-one -one mentorship I did mentorship with you for six months yeah. um and it, it was absolutely worth its weight in gold for, for from being a complete novice not someone who was interested in property at all like uh, my boyfriend is like really into the design side of stuff and I'm like ugh, just show me the money <laughs> so he does all that <laughs> um you know what though it's it's really refreshing to hear you say that um not that, that that obviously I'm knocking anybody who genuinely has a passion for property and there are absolutely aspects of what we do um, that, I, that I am very passionate about, particularly, uh, funny enough, as you said, and we'll get onto service accommodation a little bit later, but more the business entrepreneurial side of, of, of a trading business in service accommodation. But there, there are loads of people out there, aren't there, that really geek out on property. Like they love a bit of damp, don't they? They love a bit of, you know, the, the construction side of it. And I'm exactly the same as you. Like this is a vehicle at the end of the day for me. Like property is a means to an end. It's a vehicle and it's it's a way to achieve life goals and and I, you know i'm passionate about what property does for me and my family um but yeah it's just really refreshing to hear you say that and actually really this is just a, a, you know another vehicle that i'm exploring in order to achieve my financial security which i think is absolutely absolutely fine you know and I th it's yeah. it, it sounds as well like like family is a big thing for you and being able to like control your time was that was that a big part of your why was that a big driving force for you yeah I think that obviously because of having that business before it opens your mind to I don't need to go to a nine-to-five job um 
I don't need to, you know, I've, I've, my career history, I've done all sorts. I've done, I used to work on the rigs. Um, I was a radio operator offshore. So I'd be away for two, three, four, sometimes five, six weeks at a time from family and stuff. This is before kids. Um, you know, and I earned really good money then. Um, but it was always, I was always looking for something else, like always looking for something more. And I became a recruitment consultant in oil and gas. Uh, and I loved that at the time, but the second I had a child, it just completely changed everything for me. And um, and especially then as well, a year later becoming a single parent, you know, I think it's not just all that when you become a single parent, it's it's the full sole responsibility is on you. You know, that's how I certainly felt. And that every little detail was on you. So if I could have money wrapped up and I didn't have to worry about money, and and I could have that time freedom to be with her when she needed me, when she was sick and things like that, and without feeling the guilt. You know, if I'm my own boss, I don't feel guilty about not being able to go to work that day. Yeah. Um, you know, she's lying on the couch, I can work from my phone. And that has, because of that business, that was always something that I was striving for. So the second I find another way to do it, um, that was more, with network marketing, you have to keep, continue work. As far as I was concerned, you had to keep working at it. And it's yeah. great for those that need it, but I just find another outlet and it's a new challenge. I absolutely love learning new stuff. Um, and yeah, and I think that's probably why time yeah. freedom is so important to me, being able yeah. to be around the family and stuff. So tell us about your first deal then. So what sort of work did you put in in the lead up to that? So you really grafted, didn't you, for quite some time before you got your sort of first deal across the line. So we talk a lot on the podcast about momentum and that was one of the reasons I really wanted to chat to you because it seems to me sort of looking from the outside in that you put a lot of work in and you grafted for a long time and then something kind of clicked and you really sort of kicked into another gear and you really seem to gain momentum. So tell us a bit about how you sort of got started and how that moved for you. So I think, what ha- again, it was timing for myself. Um, you know, obviously coming out of lockdown and things, it was, things were still uncertain and stuff. Um, and I also, my personal life had completely 180 from being a single mum, living a certain lifestyle and doing a certain job, you know, the, the work that I had. And then I met someone and then everything completely flipped in its head. So my personal life was also completely changing, being single for like six, seven years. Um, so all of that going on at the same time, um, everything was a timing issue. And I got to the stage where I was doing all the background work, background work, background work. And then, you know, I decided that my investment area was about three and a half hours drive away. So that's a seven hour round trip in one day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, still obviously like living alone. So I had to figure out how I was going to get my kid picked up from school, like how I was going to work all of that out. And... Um, it was just, I felt like I was almost sitting on it until I felt I was ready to go. And then I did my one-to-one mentorship with Jordan. Yeah. So Jordan Koenig was, was my mentor and we met, I think, in the November of 2021. So I think I started with you around February, March time. Yeah. Um, did that for six months, kept doing a lot of work. And if I, I'll be completely honest, it wasn't that I, it was just a kind of like, I'm, I'm ready to go now. Mm. And, you know, sort of, as you said, doing the background work, I did a lot of, um, phoning estate agents because I, I, I didn't go down to begin with because of lockdown yeah. and stuff um, and then I had it in my head that I was somebody who really needs to be physically shown what to do 
you know when I learned to be a hypnotherapist I could have done all of it online but I was like no I want to do the in-person version because I I need to be physically shown so the second that I met Jordan we did two days essentially in the field and mm-hmm. um, we'd we, I think I'd organized about over two days maybe 12 yuns uh, and it was back to back I was so hungry I I am somebody who gets hungry and I <laughs> one day was like make sure the next day make sure you take food with you we didn't eat until like 4 p.m and I was like Jordan I, can't <laughs> I have to eat <laughs> I need to eat so um but what he did and what he allowed me to see, because we obviously chatted beforehand and he said, get back to back viewing set up. So what that did for me was to see exactly how he works, to see how he spoke to estate agents, to see how he, what questions he asked, to see how he uh, planned out his day. Uh, and, and every little, I was just soaking every single thing up. And then, you know, we did our first day and then the second day, um, he let me lead the way. He let me ask questions. When we left, he would say things like, you know what did you what did you miss there and or I would say oh I forgot to say this to her or and <clears throat> on the back of that we um I watched him strike up a really good relationship with one of the estate agents um and she said you know I've got somewhere for you that um is kind of like along the line of you're looking what you're looking for you know run, run down um do you want to go and see it and we were like yeah absolutely so uh this is in East Ayrshire that we yeah. were at and so we went to go and view it and we walked in and I saw Jordan's face light up and he was like, he was pretty much like if you don't go for this house I'm going to go for it <laughs> and I was like oh well then I mean he's doing really well he's been at this for years if he's doing it then there's obviously something in this and it was really interesting to go and see all the swirly whirly carpets that they talk about so all the training that we'd done beforehand and um, to see it in person was yeah. exactly what I needed to give him that boost yeah um, so I yeah, we saw a house, a third house, um, that was com- almost completely derelict. And um, the tenant, so basically a lady had owned it for 10 years and she had a tenant and the tenant never let her in. So this right. place was, you know, falling apart. Um, right. And it was three beds, semi-detached. And then at the same breath, we saw um, a one-bed flat. So we went in and we chatted about it afterwards, made the offers, uh got knocked back for the first offer on both of them and then they both accepted the second offer so I left by the well I left that day but the following by the following day I had two offers accepted so a a flat that I intended to rent out and the house which I intended to flip and sell on so what Um, about funding those deals did you have did you have funds lined up did you did you go into that with the confidence knowing that you had funds lined up ready to go or no, so um, I never had any funds lined up because I, again, I keep referring back to network marketing, but I do think it has put me in good steading for this type of business. But I, I've, I've never really been scared of rejection. Yeah. Um, you, when you do something like network marketing, If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. 
minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. rejected on a daily basis 10 15 times a day so you get used to the word no um and so i had and you know i used to ask people for a couple of hundred pound to to join this business and then i would be able to help them set up and stuff essentially you're paying for the business and this is just the same it's just a couple hundred thousand more <laughs> so um you know and i also i, I feel like i probably have have um i'm someone who i really believe in what i'm doing and that comes across and what I really believed about this uh, investment side of things using angel investors is that you're giving me your money, you're investing in my business, but you're making money. And to me, that's an absolute win-win situation for you yeah. to be able to make money. So I never had any money set up. I just trusted the process. I trusted you guys. Yeah. And you know, you said, go and find the deals first, then go and find the money. Yeah, but I still get asked that question uh, almost every day, it seems, that, you know, how how can I be out there putting offers in on property when I don't know how I'm going to pay for it? You talk about, or we talk about putting it, it being a numbers game, and we're putting out multiple offers at any one time. What if what if two or three or of those all land at the same time? What am I going to do? Um, but you were in exactly that situation, weren't you? So how much... Angel Finance, if you, if you don't mind saying, how much in, Angel Finance did you need to raise to move on those two deals and over what time frame? Okay, so I had, I thought it was two. Um, so I think all in all, it was about just under 200,000. Okay, amazing. Um, because I needed the money for the flat and the refurbs and yeah. the house and the refurbs. Yeah. And it was just, a, and so my first protocol was family. Yeah. Um, and my family are used to be doing all these new things yeah. and most of them particularly my dad thinks that I am being scammed all the time <laughs> permanently constantly being scammed <laughs> yeah. I remember, now, Gemma? Yeah, I remember <laughs> my first full like tax year after I started my um other business and I made something like 70,000 pound and I was so excited and I was like dad I made 70,000 pound and he was like but is it still a scam? <laughs> but like, it's not a scam. So I think that when it's family, it's harder because when you're going to family to ask them for, for you know, investment, it's, you know, especially my dad, he does feel like I'm getting scammed most of the time. And yeah. I think it's just because he thinks, oh, here she goes again yeah. <laughs> with all the different stuff that she does. But, um, you know, now that, again, with everything that I've done before as well, now that it's paid off, he's like, he is like, well done. You know, I'm proud of you, which is really nice to hear, especially yeah. when you're 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 kind of battling it to begin with. And he what he believes me, in me, but is always that little bit dubious. And, and I think family are always the hardest people to convince because they know you better than anybody else. Yeah, that's really um, interesting you say that because in, in some ways they're the easiest and some ways they're the hardest because, like, you know, we always recommend starting with close family because, you know, people invest in people they know, like, and trust, and they've crossed that bridge with you already. So it's not like you're trying to create this brand-new relationship and convince someone who's never met you before that they should invest thousands of pounds in you. But at the same time, you're absolutely right. Like, they they care about you, they love you, they, they, they want to um, – 
sometimes feel that they're inputting into the direction you're going and yeah that that can make it quite challenging can't it yeah and you're right but it is easy is easier as well because you're not approaching yeah. strangers to ask them for money so that that is easier but i always remember when i was you know doing the business before when i was asking people if they wanted this opportunity family was just a no-go um because they're the first ones to take the mick out yeah, yeah. Um, you know they're the first ones to pull up every little critical thing that they can so um, but in the same breath, I absolutely would recommend that you go to people that you know and trust first and foremost, because, you know, they, they know and trust you. So yeah. they know that you're not going to run away with their money, which is sometimes what your fear about approaching people are, is that they you may think that they're going to think that. Yeah. So, yeah. So how long did you have to raise those funds from a standing start, from not having any funds to fund those two deals? How long, how long did you have to sort of at least get a commitment from people? Uh, so I ha- I think it was, I, I want to say the middle of November 21, and um, we were closing the deals January the 14th. Both of them went through in the same day. And so because that's, of... That's, so that's completion, right? So you, you would have had to get a commitment in terms of proof of funds or whatever, like within, what, a few weeks probably? Yeah, pretty much, because we, we had to have the money in before Christmas. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I pretty much went to family as soon as I got the deals, like, on the uh, on the yeah. table yeah so i mean that's so inspirational for people to hear anybody who's just starting out because i think you know we talk a lot about angel investment we talk a lot about it in the training we talk a lot about it on the podcast but i think until it happens and until you you've actually um uh, like changed your mindset to money then it's almost hard to be like how on earth can you possibly raise close to a quarter of a million pounds in three, four weeks, whatever it is. But like you say, it's about recognizing that we're helping people. It's focusing on on the win-win and the benefits to the investor, isn't it? And then and then backing yourself as well. I think yeah. the, it's interesting you said about, because I actually wrote this in my notes while you were talking, you talked about the network marketing background that you have, standing you in good stead. Do you think that that stand, stood you in good stead with regards to talking to people as well? Because that's really what this business is all about, isn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. Because you have to network. You yeah. have to network. And I'm, um, you know, I'm one of these people that's I'm really extrovert. So when I'm around people, I, 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 you know, feed off their energy and I really enjoy it. I'm also a bit of an introvert, and I like my own space. Um, so I'm somebody that sometimes has to push myself a little bit, a little bit to go and network. And yeah. other times it just comes completely naturally. But I think the ability to, um. For, I don't know why we're like this as a country, as you know, as a nation, like the UK. We just don't like speaking about money. We're so weird about it. Americans, you know, one of the first things that American will say to you when you get a new job, you know, oh, does it pay well? <laughs> Imagine yeah. somebody that, excuse me? Mind your own business, yeah. Yeah, you see, it's so rude. I'm, an, I'm basically an American. So, you know, I feel like, why are we so weird about money? Money is amazing. We need money to survive. We, you know, and again, I'm a little bit of a hipster. I, I really believe in law of attraction, um, and I really believe that what we put out, we get back. So, if we are weird about money and oh god, you know, I don't want to discuss it, or um, I always have a really bad relationship with money, then that's what's going to come forth in your life. Yeah. Whereas if you, um, or I feel more open about it, and are just on a you don't have to be open as in like speaking to everybody about your money. I just feel like it's such a taboo subject that um, it, it just isn't needed. Yeah. Like there's no need. So I just don't have the same reservations speaking about money. And I, sometimes I make a bit of a joke about it as well. 
um, and I'll talk about, you know, with money and things, I'll, I'll make humour out of it. Yeah. Uh, again, I think that that's just, you know, if, if people say things, we're, we're chatting about investment, if I've gone to a party or whatever, and we're speaking about investment, I'll say, you want to give me some of your money? Yeah. So, like, and it's just a little bit of a light-hearted joke so that there's there's no tension around it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I do think it is a massive being able to speak to people and um, also, as you've mentioned, be confident and mm-hmm. believe in yourself and your abilities is a huge part of it. Huge. Because yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, the amount of people I've seen come in and fail at businesses like network marketing, a lot of it, in fact, the majority of it is because they just don't have the confidence to yeah. put themselves there. Yeah, that's great advice. So, so you've got these two properties now, at least one of them, by the sounds of it, is a bit of a wreck. Um, by your own admission, you've got no background in property. You, you, you certainly haven't necessarily got, um, uh, you know, a passion for the construction side of things. I can relate to that. Um, so, how did you move forwards in terms of recruiting a builder and, um, I guess, kind of project managing those refurbs? I mean, that would have all been totally new territory to you, right? Yeah. So, I obviously didn't have a clue what I was doing. You can learn and learn and learn, but until you're thrown in the deep end you know it you just I didn't have a clue um I didn't even know so they're in East Ayrshire and I'm I'm in Aberdeen and um they they called one of the lights a down light and I was like what and I was like well spotlight yeah I call spotlights as well yeah I get I get that with our builder here (laughs) yeah so even like using words I didn't know they were and a lot of it as well I think maybe being a girl and you know, dealing with you know, as I said, I used to work offshore, so I'm used to being around a lot of men. Yeah. Um, that like not want to come across as like, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm like, yeah, down like course, yeah. I know what I'm talking about. Um, but I think just being having the ability to say a what and and question that and stuff. So the build team came along because I knew um, there was people in the area through our network through PWS that worked um, invested in that area. So I reached out to them. And um, they told me who they used, so I got in touch with those guys. Really liked. Um, they he doesn't project manage, but he sort of like oversees everybody, gets the team yeah. in and stuff. And that's how I got to know everybody. Um, and I would go down maybe in the beginning for every sort of like three to four weeks because it's such a long, like seven hour round trip. Then having you know with my little one going to school, and then I put her into after school club. I'd have to get back for at the latest. 45 so yeah. I would literally have about an hour and a half down there and I'd have to pack everything in and speak to everybody and um so having the um conversations over the phone with the build team was pretty much where and I've still not even met physically met some of them um but you know we'll have that conversation over the phone um so met those guys and then they started on the works and then we had a really good experience with the flat really quick easy you know, a paint job, new carpets, um, some parts of the bathroom suite needed replaced, new kitchen, um, nice little £8,000 refurb, really, really good, went easy, and then there was the house. Okay. And the house... How about this good stories coming up? <laughs> the house has been... Uh, and I feel like I don't want to put this out there just yet because it's going to complete on Friday. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, it has been a huge challenge, and... Even the build team started calling it the curse of McKinley Place, which is the street. Um, when your build team start calling it that, you know that there's, there's problems. Just everything that could have gone wrong with it went wrong with it. Um, and it was just the 
you know, the contingency plan didn't cover it. Um, the roof, there was a massive issue with the roof that the home report couldn't have picked up. Um, and it, part of it was a flat roof. So there was just, it just appeared to be issue after issue. The painter should have been about seven weeks, uh, sorry, three weeks that it took six to seven because when, as they were putting paint on, it was all flaking off. Right. Um, it was just at every stage, something was up with it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really, really, really looking forward to saying goodbye to that place. It's all done and dusted and good now. Uh, that's a flip. That was a flip, yeah. So that took a long, long time. That's obviously just, and we, and we were, we completed it as in the refurbs, I think September and started in January time. So it was a long, long time for that one. Um, yeah. And then things like, you know, some of the, the trades would go in and um, then they'd have COVID. And, you know, so it just that, for some reason, that house in particular was a huge challenge. But I actually really appreciated it as well because it's, it's given me such... Uh, a lesson and yeah. all the things that can potentially go wrong so that I'm prepped for going into the next one. Yeah. And that's, you learn something from every iteration, don't you? Every time you go through a project, every time you, uh, you know, you, you, you go through this process, you learn something new that, that makes you more prepared for that eventuality in the future. And so I think in a way, I think that's again, another really refreshing attitude that you've got towards failure because yeah. I think a lot of people are genuinely terrified of things going wrong on the builds and overspending and this, that, and the other, but, and don't get me wrong. None of us want that to happen. It's never ideal when it does happen, but equally sort of like inviting in those lessons of being open to, you know, what you can learn from the process. Cause we're in this for the long haul, right? This isn't just to, you know, uh, get rich quick. This is about actually becoming a professional property investor. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, the challenges are just what makes you better. Yeah. And um, so as much as I was like, oh, what now? <laughs> Every time they would phone, I'm like, oh, God, don't have to be phone. But it was, um, yeah, I think the lessons that I've learned from it, even obviously it was my first one alongside the flat. Um, I was also doing one up uh, in an area closer to mine. This is a house that I actually inherited. Okay. So I did them all at the same time. And so this one I was going to turn into service accommodation I was doing one that was going to be a flip and then one that was going to be a buy to let. Three so, different three different build teams? Yeah, two different build teams. Three different build teams, okay. Yeah, I had two in a place called Kilmarnock and that was the buy to let and the flip. And then a place called, I'm going to say this slowly, it's called <laughs> Falkabers. Okay. Um, <laughs> you'll think I'm swearing, so it's spelled F-O-C-H, Falkabers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm not swearing, uh, that is actually the name of it. So there's a, place, a little village called Falkabers in Murrayshire, which is the northeast of Scotland. I inherited that house from grandparents, so I decided that it's a beautiful house, like huge house, and um, I decided that I was going to uh, renovate that to do service accommodation. And um, yeah, it, so doing all three different strategies with two different build teams all at the same time, that was where it became so full on. And yeah. I think it was getting used to the different builders as well. Even, you know, like it felt like they were so different in how they worked, how I needed to speak to them, mm. uh, how I needed to run the projects. Now I feel like, you know, as soon as I take on my next one, I feel way more versed in this is how I will bring this to the table and this is how we're going to work. Yeah. Whereas, whereas very much being led by them. 
yeah. and I needed to be and I'm grateful for that I needed to be because I, as I said I had no clue what I was doing um so, but now I definitely feel in the position having done three different strategies so even doing three different strategies with you know it was a learning curve as well because I'm buying different types of um material you yeah. know so more budget in the um, buy to let slightly higher spec but then in the service accommodation I went full you know full on yeah so um even little things like that little things like going into a build and saying right this is what I'm looking for I want this this and this and not even thinking about I'm going to need a socket on this wall for the tv yeah so I'd go in and you know at this point by this point like my partner's got involved so he would come around and look at the place and he'd be like, you, oh, where's your socket for the TV? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I'd have to phone my Sparky and be like, eh, it's me again. So I'm very well known now for adding loads of things on afterwards. But yeah. now I feel like now I can go into a place and I'm going to be super prepped. I'll have, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have my document. I'm going to write down everything that I need beforehand. Um, again, not something I did before. I just yeah. was very led by them. So yeah. that in itself has been a huge learning curve as well, just on how to manage the project because yeah. just, I want to be way more uh, in control for the next ones. And um, I think I we can all relate to that. We've all been in that situation where we are, we are having our hands held to a certain extent whilst also wanting to maintain some element of um, uh, control over, over, over the, the project. Um, but then you feel better prepared to actually, so, you know, rather than the builder saying to you, right, what have you decided about this? Or, you know, what are you doing about this? And you're going, uh, and literally deciding in the moment, you know, you're actually, um, you're heading that off next time. So you're going, right, here's the electrical plan. Here's the, da, 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 and you get a rough idea of when things are going to be required. And so, yeah. you know, you're in a better position to be really driving that. And I think, that's when you're starting out, but it's also when you're stepping up a strategy. You know, I, I, the reason I can relate to that uh, more recently is stepping up into um, a hotel development that we did last year. You know, that was a big step up and there were things that get layered onto that that are just another level um, that you wouldn't necessarily have come across in, in smaller projects. Um, but again, moving on to another hotel project, we feel much more prepared to go, right, we need to consider this. We need to get this guy in our power team. We need to do X, Y, and Z. So yeah, it's just an evolution, isn't it? Yeah, and, and that, like, so, for example, one of the things that I didn't even realise was I went to order kitchens at the same time for the house and the flat. <clears throat> and um, I ordered the kitchen and thought I'd done a great job, like, this is going to look amazing and stuff. And then the flat got... Um, rented out and turned out that I had an electric, no, a gas hob and there was no gas. Okay. <laughs> so like that, um, again, I, you know, because <clears throat> there's nobody holding your hand at that point. So that's where I thought, well, well, why should they not have told, like I was looking for someone to blame. Should the yeah. sparky have not said that to me? Should the plumber have not said that? No, that's my responsibility to go and bring these little details out again something that would would be the first thing I'd think of now for the next project. But for this, for that one, I didn't, I wasn't even aware. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of things. So whilst the tenant was in, I had to get the Sparky to turn up, <clears throat> excuse me, with another hob. Um, I then had to, I couldn't give the hob back because it was already in place. So I then had to sell that hob. So it's just it's these tiny little details that uh, there's certainly for me not enough to put me off doing this type of work and anybody listening either it's these are not little details that should ever put you off yeah just part of the learning curve 
Um, I really thought you were going to say that. I had a spare hob, so I had to buy another house to put the hob in. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. <laughs> so, um, so why service accommodation? So um, what made you go? And, and actually, you mentioned it right at the beginning uh, and suggested maybe you'd had an interest in that from the start. So what, what made you go down that route? So years ago, um, I um, like co-owned a house with my little girl's dad. Uh, like I said, we split when she was one years old and we still had that house for quite a while. Um, I can't remember, maybe it just didn't sell. Um, and then he got some friends to live in it and they paid the mortgage and then they decided that they were moving out after a year or so. So um, we were going to be in a sort of limbo period where we were going to have to cover this mortgage and it was quite high. And, um, you know, neither of us were really in a position to pay for our own houses plus that house. <clears throat> me. So because that was happening and we were about to sell it, there was going to be a maybe three, four month gap. Mm. So I put it on Airbnb just to see what happened. Yeah. And like 11 bookings over the course of a weekend. Right. Then I had to furnish this house. Um, so this house was in a little place called Conan Bridge, which is north of a, a city called Inverness. Yeah. Um, I at the time lived in Aberdeen, which I still do, uh, which is two and a half hours up the worst road ever. Okay. And I had family and friends all the way along this road. So I would stop off and pick up a bed, pick up a mattress, pick up um, bits of cabinets, like tables, TVs, things like that, and manage somehow miraculously over the course of a weekend, managed to um, furnish this three-bed house. And um, and it did so well. Now, only covered the mortgage and the bills, but that's what was the intention of it. Um, but the money that was made in the back of it, and I loved the service accommodation feel. So I loved... Yeah. that they had a really good weekend or you know that they um I, I would put some little mints and things like that out for them and and did like a welcome pack and stuff I, you know I had no training or anything like that I just instinctively staying at other places thought this would be nice for them and I really enjoyed it and I loved the fact that this money was coming in and I was basically doing no work for it and um but that these people were enjoying the space yeah. so in hindsight I probably should have bought him out and kept that house and done it myself mm. but in the position that we were both in at the time we just wanted to get rid of it yes yeah. so that gave me a taster I did that for about three or four months that gave me a taster of it and I always thought that would be something really cool to get into um and of course then when I started learning getting my education for property and realized that service accommodation was a thing yeah. then I entered the house um I thought this is probably like a route to go down because it's something that I just really enjoyed and I really loved the aspect of your ping of your phone going off and you get a little Airbnb notification yeah. that you've had a booking. Yeah. Um, that's exciting. I am probably quite a natural seller. Yeah. Um, naturally have always been drawn to like sales. And the best part about the sales is when they say yes. Mm. And you know, whether that's someone who's looking to invest in your your property or whether it's, you know, selling a business or it's, you know, getting a book in, it's when somebody says yes to something you really believe in and then yeah. they agree with you. And that's the, the thing yeah. I love. The buzz, yeah. Yeah, that's the buzz, yeah. That's the buzz. Cool. Yeah. So the property that you've inherited, so where are you at with that now? So is that live for bookings? Yeah. Is that, what, that is live. How, how's it going? So, uh, again, uh, another challenge. It was a house that was built in the 80s, um, a five-bed house with lots of land. Um, and, you know, obviously, like, when it first came up about me inheriting the house, it was all, I tried to live in it for a wee while. Um, 
there was all sorts of things that I, I considered and then I landed on, no, I'm going to refurb this house and do service accommodation. Um, and that was the plan. So we, we really changed. This was like we needed a structural engineer, an architect. Um, we, compl- we took like a kitchen with a sort of off patio sort of area. Mm. Uh, or like a, I don't really know what you'd call it either, but they would sit in their, in their chairs and watch the TV in this sort of offset of the kitchen. And then it had a wall and then a dining table sorry, a dining room. So we knocked all of that down and made it into a huge um, kitchen, dining, snug sort of area. Yeah. Doors, we needed a steel beam, we needed a structural engineer. We had lots of issues with this one as well. Um, Again, very, very challenging. Um, uh, But that started, I think, in February of this year. And my brother got married in the grounds of this property in August. So everything had to be done by August. But what I experienced with this was the end date getting knocked back and knocked back and knocked back. Um, and I, again, my lack of experience was probably that was the cause of it. Because when I sat down with the, the build team, now th- this build team came from, I actually, I'm originally from close to this area. So a lot of my friends are from this area. And, um, you know, uh, like I knew, so I knew these people, some of them, and they were able to like bring in, people that they knew um and what I didn't articulate was it needs to be done by this date yeah Um, because I didn't really have a plan of action in my head I didn't have a strategy for it I was just like let's get it refurbed and let's get it up but the only thing that they were aware of was that my brother was getting married in August that it needed to be completed by then and um but I wanted it done beforehand but didn't articulate that to them so that was a big learning curve as well as is your end date um I am very, very trusting of builders. I've learned that you maybe need to be on their back a little bit more. Um, but then so- you find, though, that particularly with service accommodation, that a builder's idea of finished is very different to our idea of finished. Um, yeah. You know, because actually we know that from a guest point of view, it needs to be absolutely immaculate, you know, all, of course, all snagging done. But the, it's, it's just as much about presentation, isn't it, as much as anything else. And that sort of is not – that's not in a – a builder's wheelhouse usually so that's where then making helping them to understand the deadlines of your project because it's not just a case of right that that's more or less done you know knock yourself out rent out i've then got to get it uh, a builder's clean a deep clean i've got to stage it i've got to get professional photography done so there's then a whole process that kicks in after it's finished from a yeah. builder's point of view. Um, yeah. and, and that's the thing that keeps getting knocked back, isn't it? And suddenly yeah. you realise I've got hard deadlines here. I've got a photographer who's busy, you know, and I need to, I need to book them in to, to actually take photographs of the property. So you have to be out and it's not a case of, well, we'll just pop back and we'll, we'll just pop back and do this. No, 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 no. <laughs> it needs to be done on this date. Yeah, and, and I think that's, and that's just as much my fault. In fact, more my fault because I didn't understand that. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, and and the whole thing, uh, like getting this property ready, st- essentially staging it for your guests coming in. What on earth? Was I was there all the time. My I had my partner there all the time building stuff. Like bless him, he's it's not brutal, doing it. It's brutal, isn't it? It's brutal. Brutal. It's absolutely brutal. And forgetting things. And again, this is not my forty. This is not something that I thrive off of. Having to furnish a house having to think about the colour decoration, like none of this is what I enjoy. Yeah. Um, 
And I know a lot of my friends will, oh, I'd love to do that. I'd love to like pick out stuff. And I'm like, why? Yeah. It's just soul destroying for me. So I find that part really boring. And um, yeah, it's just not something that I, I love. However, it's absolutely worth it. Because yeah. okay. has it has it been worth it? So what's the what's the occupancy like? What's the net cash flow been like? So how has it played out? It has been phenomenal. I have been so lucky. Um, and I put it up on air. It's only on Airbnb. I haven't yet had the time to go and um, you know look at other things. However, I am coming next weekend. This weekend. Brought you out with that this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to some training this weekend on service accommodation, which was absolutely. Yeah something I needed to do or I need to do for going forward um but I uh yeah so I only put it on Airbnb and um just see how it did and how how it went and I had a company contact me um sort of like outside of Airbnb they managed to find a way and they explained that they were coming up to do a refurb in uh the like Tesco's for refrigeration and that they needed accommodation for three months Great. And um, so they're on night shifts. So they ended up having to take five nights instead of four nights. So that obviously affected when I could rent out the weekends. They're only there during the week. So um, we managed to negotiate. I did lower my price so that, because um, obviously they couldn't pay the, the huge amount that I was charging, like just to try 500 pound a night. Yeah. Um, and so we negotiated a price. And um, yeah, and so they've been there since they, their last week is in about two weeks' time. So that coupled with the fact that I've probably had maybe two to three weekends in each yeah. month. And it allows um, you to really bump the price up for the weekends as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Now you've got yeah. that staple booking in there that kind of, you know, covers your costs and a bit more and then you can really push prices for the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And little things like I stopped the calendar. In, so in, in Falkowers, there's a little festival called Spayfest and it happens in July time, but the dates haven't been released. So I stopped the calendar so that people couldn't book from May onwards mm-hmm. um, because I'm going to charge more when yeah. there's events because yeah. that's what hotels do. And, you know, I'm still going to be cheaper than your local hotel, yeah. but um, I'm still going to charge more because that makes that makes business sense to do things like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, little things like that have – have um, it's been phenomenal to have this book in and, you know, have that money coming in um, so fast. Yeah. And, I always believed it was going to make a lot of money. I just, it's a tiny little village. Um, we're smack bang in the center of, of money. And in money, we have golf courses, we have um, whiskey distilleries. You know, people come to get drunk. Americans come over, they go golfing, they go fishing. We've got all sorts of fisheries around us. It's, um, it's a very, very, very popular place, very sought yeah. after. And so I've really lucked out with it. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just knew that, that would, it would do really well. So, come on, you said you're not shy of talking about money. So, what, what net cash flow have you been achieving from that property? Uh, so, in any one, so, so far, every month, about seven to 8,000. Um, net? Net, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. How good, how good is that? Yeah. Um, and that's obviously going to die down once they go. Yeah. Um, so, projection at the minute, I'm probably looking at about 3,000. Um, yeah that's just with the bookings that I've gotten at the minute but yeah. I'm also very for me because I'm quite like blocked I'm very like departmental I need to do things in blocks um my plan is that obviously I'm going to be doing some service accommodation training the second that happens 
that's when again it's like when I'm physically shown this yeah. is what you're doing that's when I'll speed forward with that so the intention after that is that I will then really focus on getting this place well known um, and yeah. I need the power of social media um, yeah. and you know I used to work a lot within social media and I know how valuable that is so my intention is to get that up so that I'm probably looking at about £5,000 um, net per month just from that unit Amazing. Um, so that's, that's that is, I mean it's phenomenal um, and we're not comparing it, it, you can't we're not comparing apples with apples in doing this, um, but that's a hell of a lot of buy-to-lets, isn't it, to achieve the same sort yeah. of capital. Yeah. Um, and and that, that's unfair in a way because buy-to-let is a lot more passive. You know, there's a huge, as, as you will know, there's a huge amount of moving pieces that go into service accommodation. It's a lot, ha- a lot, lot more hands-on, but for the right person, and it sounds like you're motivated by similar things that I am, it's if you're a bit entrepreneurial and if you like the business side of things, then it's, it's a great strategy. And that's just phenomenal. Seven, eight, well, between five and 8,000 pound cash net yeah. cash per month is, yeah. is amazing. It's incredible. And you obviously like have to think about all the other things like, you know, clean team and um, yeah. all the stuff that you just, you just don't have with your buy to lets or your flips. Um, yeah. You know, you're essentially managing people um, to a certain degree. It's not like I have staff or anything like that, but it's just, it's the management. One of the things that I have struggled with, probably when it comes to service accommodation, is um, letting go yeah. and uh, what's the word? Uh, delegating. Getting, yeah. That's something I'm not very good at. Um, I've always been taught I can do it myself. I can do it myself. You know, I, I'm. You know, I'll, I'll do everything. I'll do everything. Yeah. But I, I don't like asking for help. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I have had to learn. I'm, you know, very lucky that I've got some amazing family. Who live in the area and they've really helped me out when it's come to um things that you know it's an hour and 15 minutes down the road for me yeah. so to get there on a whim isn't easy especially like the other day the hot tub we've got a hot tub and the hot tub and um, kicked off for some reason so it completely shut down the guests arrived there was no hot tub and this is what they're coming for um you know so i've got an auntie who went round and dealt with it like an absolute queen and you know just um sort you know sort of help them sort them out I offered them like a little bit of a refund just they didn't ask for it but I felt like these people are coming here for that I would have been annoyed yeah had had I gone and the hot tub hadn't worked and stuff so it's again it's all like a learning curve with this but what I love about service accommodation is the is the sell so when they when they they see your house and they're like we love it like we want to stay there and then the reviews and You know, when someone texts me afterwards and said, we've had such a great time, like it was my mum's 60th, we got all the family together. Um, a really big goal of mine when I was a few years ago was that I was going to be wealthy enough that I could have a big house with a huge dining table that would sit all of my family around for Christmas. It was yeah. such a big um, goal yeah. for me. So yeah. to not only be able to do that for us, um, but to be able to have other people enjoy that space and um, have that for themselves that feels good yeah. you know it's, it's kind of it's, it's a, a double edged sword with the um you know service accommodation is that it's it's hitting a lot of different points for you i don't know if you feel like that yeah yeah the the it's 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 offset you know obviously by the stress and the hassle and the, the hands-on nature of things but like you say it's you don't get that kind of reward i don't think from any other property strategy you know yeah. and, and and that regular um that regular hit of kind of 
validation that people enjoy the property and they see it the way you do and what have you. So, yeah, I can I can totally relate to that. So, I mean, I, I, I could talk to you all day, Gemma. There's just and, and I know, you know, our listeners will be taking so much inspiration from what you've achieved in a relatively short space of time. But if you had to give anybody let's think, you know, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are just starting out. Yeah. Or maybe even. You know, they're interested in property, but, you know, haven't maybe had the confidence to take that first step. What advice would you have to somebody who's just starting out on this journey? Um, I think the biggest thing is the belief in yourself. Yeah. I am such a huge um, believer that we, we are never, ever the finished product. Yeah. So we always need education. We always need coaching. We always need someone else who's done and achieve what we want to achieve to help us, whether that's in the form of like therapy because we're struggling with something or education when it comes to you know, learning new things. It, we always need something. And so, but the there's no point in learning all these things if you don't have the confidence or the belief in yourself to go out and do them. So for me, personal development was a huge, huge part of my life and having the belief and confidence. So it is scary. You are throwing yourself in something completely unknown. Um, and it's all the cliches, you know, life begins at the end of your comfort zone and all that sort of stuff. But believing in yourself has to be the thing that you do. And you're never probably, I mean, yes, we have motivation, but the discipline doesn't come from motivation. So yeah. you have to have that belief in yourself that you're going to achieve these goals. And that's where the discipline will kick in. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, the biggest thing would be do what you need to do, read books, um, do courses, whatever it is that you need to do to gain the belief. And the belief comes from the action. Yeah. Go out there, throw yourself out in the deep end, make a tit yourself, you know, like say the wrong things. Um, you know, it's only embarrassing for a little second, feel the fear and do it anyway. Perfect. Amazing. Thank you so much, Gemma. It's been an absolute joy catching up with you um, and also uh, finding out a little bit more about what you've been up to and, and your journey. So thank you so much for sharing that. I'm looking forward to meeting you just because we've worked together for, uh, you know, many months on your uh, masterclass, but we've never actually met face to face. So, um, so <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting you for some uh, for a deeper dive into service accommodation this week. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you guys. Thanks, Emma. Really appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Wow, what a superstar. When I first started helping Gemma out as one of her mentors back in early 2021, I could tell straight away that she had the mindset and the energy to succeed. I find her mindset to money completely refreshing. And like so many other guests that I've spoken to on the podcast, what struck me is her complete refusal to make excuses for her situation and circumstances that others might have allowed to become a block to their progress. I loved my catch up with Gemma. I hope you enjoyed listening. Why not come on over and join Gemma and I and all of the other fabulous guests that we've had on the podcast over the last 100 plus episodes in the Property Wealth System community page on Facebook. Please like and follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast fix. And if you get a minute to leave us a review, that would be hugely appreciated. Thanks again for listening and I will catch you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.